Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. Welcome back to another episode of the Understanding Body Matters Podcast. On today's episode, we have a pre-recorded recovery talk. We usually try to set these out every third episode, but unfortunately didn't have one ready and scheduled for the last time. So we are very excited to bring this one back. This recovery talk is with Maddie Ties, and she dives in and gets very personal about her recovery journey from the age of eight years old, who recovered from an eating disorder herself. Um, she, her story is very inspiring and I have no doubt that it will also inspire and provide hope and insight that this journey and recovery is possible for anyone, although it may not seem like it is now and many parents and carers and individuals suffering themselves may not be able to see that, um, from the position and situation they're in now. So we really do hope this does provide that bit of hope that you might be looking for. So please stay tuned and enjoy. It's really lovely to be here and um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I am uh, I'm coming all the way from Melbourne, a uh, very chilly, cold Melbourne. You can probably see outside my window there. It's icy cold and wet and rainy and the fact that we're all in lockdown at the moment, it's awful. But at the same time, I'm trying to count my lucky stars that I'm in a cosy house uh, under a heater, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm really I'm really honoured to be here today. Body Matters is such a wonderful, uh, supportive, incredibly um, yeah amazing organisation that is helping so many people suffering with eating eating disorders and body image issues. So a huge shout out to the amazing work you guys do. Um, but yeah, my name is Maddie, and I am 31 years old, and I am from Melbourne, Victoria. I have been in eating disorder recovery from anorexia nervosa for, I would say, a, properly a good 10 years, um, but in and out of uh, in and out of treatment and in and out of um, uh, in in and out care patient uh, patient sort of services for a, probably I would say a. a good 20 years. So um, yeah, my, my journey begins a very long time ago. Uh, my maths isn't very good. So I was just trying to do the math and work that out. But um, my eating my eating sort of habits and toxic behaviours and, and thoughts around food started really early. Um, I was eight years old when my, uh, my kind of attitude toward food and my body really took a really sort of sharp negative turn. Um, there was not one specific reason or anything that kind of um, initiated my eating disorder. It was, it was, I suppose, just a combination of personality traits and just environmental factors. So um, I am and was a really sort of perfectionistic kid. I was a real, um, I loved school. I loved doing well. Um, I was really hard on myself. I'm incredibly sensitive, um, empathetic kind of kid and took um, took everything to heart basically. And um, a few, you know, a few kind of life changes sort of ensued early in, early in the piece. I had a, 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 a move schools basically when I was in like grade two and that sort of shift of having to, I suppose reassess where my friendship group was and, and and kind of make friends all over again at quite a pivotal age was a really big kind of um, scary thing for me. And I think I used food and, and exercise as a way of controlling that those feelings of uncertainty and, and anxiety. And so around that early age of eight, eight, nine years old, I my 
sort of behaviors around food and, and my attitude toward my body kind of shifted from being a kid and kind of not caring at all to really kind of being really hard on myself and, and um, being, I suppose, really com- comparing myself to, to those around me. Um, and this is going back to the 90s. So we, I didn't have a mobile phone yet or social media or any of that, of that stuff, but I was incredibly sensitive to the media and, and the world around me. So, um, you know, very, very much paying attention to people in the media and, and body shapes and sort of thinking, oh, goodness, is that what I'm meant to be looking like, um, you know, and, and being sort of almost prepubescent as well. It's quite a toxic mind frame to sort of be in thinking back now. But I think at the time I just, I, w- I'm all, I was also a very sort of determined kid. So I think I sort of got it in my head that that's how I should be to be happy and successful. And and that's where those sort of behaviours started to sort of latch on. And, and they were very much a coping mechanism. So what started out as very small small changes um, over time grew and became more restrictive and and more, um, I suppose, took over my life more and more. So um, initially my family and friends around me didn't really, like they noticed things that I was doing differently, but it was kind of brushed off as, oh, Maddie's just trying to be healthy. Um, and I think in hindsight, my parents look back now and sort of see those things as, as warning signs, you know, labelling good you know, food good and bad and those kind of really subtle changes that can actually become quite, quite uh, insidious and, and dangerous um, when they kind of hang around for a long time. Um, but yeah, what started out sort of small, um, yeah, gradually, gradually grew. And um, it wasn't until I was in high school and in, I think it was year nine when things got at, you know, their worst, and I was admitted into hospital and given a proper diagnosis. So, those that period of about seven years, which um, is a long time to think about, sort of developing, developing these sort of thoughts and, and ideas around food and exercise, um, had it, you know, sort of gradually got worse and worse, and, and didn't latch on properly until that sort of you know mid teen sort of age age group. Um, I think at the time, everyone around me, it was very much a, a hidden thing, a secret thing for me. Eating disorders are so incredibly manipulative and and they thrive on secrecy. So I spent most of my days hiding what I was doing from the people around me, including myself. Like I was in denial most of the time, just trying not to be noticed or, or people to notice what I was doing or not doing really. Um, and so getting that diagnosis was a bit of a wake-up call, not only for me, but for my family, because they were like, you know, wow, this is actually really not good and Maddie's really sick. Um, and yeah, obviously I spent I spent quite a lot of time in hospital and missed out on a huge portion of my high school years. Those years you're meant to be having fun and going away with your friends and going on school camps and summer holidays and all of that kind of stuff. It was a bit of a blur for me. I I just spent so much time inside in hospital rooms and in outpatient clinics, just so sad that I I often lament about it now and go, wow, I just missed missed out on such a pivotal point of my life. And this illness robbed me of that. And it's, it's, I'm at a point now, obviously, where I can kind of look back and go, wow, I've kind of come so far. But when you're in the grips of it, it was, it's incredibly challenging to see the, um, you know, the other side. Um, So yeah, being sort of 15 and in the grips of this eating disorder, 
Um, my family were very, very, very concerned, really quite upset. I had a little, I have a little sister who's three years younger than me and she had to do a lot of growing up very quickly. Um, and I, I feel very, um, I feel very guilty at times, even now to this day that she was kind of drawn into that illness with me because she was my sister and cared and wanted me to be better. But she also missed out on a lot of her childhood because my parents spent so much time um, caring and looking after me. So it was a really challenging time for us as a family, but inevitably it was my family that was what got me through it. Um, they were incredibly supportive and my mum in particular was the real rock that kind of got me through because, um, you know, as, as most, most of you would know, like eating disorders, they don't want, they don't want to get, they don't want to get better. They don't want you to get better. They want to, they want to stay where they are. And so my, my mum, I had a lot, a lot of fighting and a lot of um, uh, dragging me to appointments that I didn't want to go to um, initially, and it was, it was really, really tough. It was, it was a really dark time for my family. But I think I did eventually get to a point where um, I know, I, I suppose, uh, away from my life at school and, and with my family, I'm also a really uh, passionate performer and, and um, actor and writer. And I have a whole bunch of creative um, sides to me that I was really wanting to pursue. And in the grips of this illness, I wasn't able to do any of them. I couldn't, I couldn't even contemplate auditioning for a school play if I couldn't even get out of bed in the morning. So there was this real drive for me to kind of pursue these things that I really loved um, and that really had nothing to do with my body at all. It was stuff that just made me feel good. Um, so I suppose that drive along with this incredible sort of support from my family was um, what really kind of made me go, you know what, I just need to try whatever I can to kind of work through this. So um, I saw countless psychologists, psychiatrists, we did family therapy. Um, the Butterfly Foundation were a huge support um, throughout that period, providing my family with support, um, in particular, my little sister, um, as, as family members need almost just as much support as the person going through it to know what to do and what to say. Um, and so, you know, it took many years um, and at the age of sort of 21, 22, I'd just done a big trip around Europe um, and very much in recovery, but kind of going back and forth, almost on this sort of teetering between uh, wanting to, wanting to get better and just and and sort of falling back. I suppose you would call it relapse. I suppose because I do often I do often compare eating disorders to having an addiction. I see it very as a very very similar illness. Um, something that makes you feel good at the time, um, and you feel like you can't live without, and it's incredibly addictive. So. Um, I was sort of at, at these in my early 20s sort of teetering back and forth from wanting to kind of move through it and 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 sort of still being a kid in my mindset and sort of falling back into that oh no no this is who I am kind of mentality um and so I, I did this big trip around Europe and came back not really in a great headspace I did a lot of it on my own a lot of the traveling on my own and was sort of forced to spend a lot of time on my own and a lot of time in my own sort of mind and thoughts and kind of trying to work out who I am as a person, those kind of pivotal years where you're sort of trying to work out who you want to be as an adult and 
you know, think I suppose thinking a lot too about my childhood and what I'd put my family through and, and going through a lot of sort of guilt. Um, but I got home and sort of said, you know what, I actually have so much to live for and I, I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm genuinely tired of this thing. Um, and you'd think going around Europe for as a 21-year-old would be the, 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 the time of your life, um, but I just spent it in my hostel room, like just worried about the next meal I was going to eat, which is so sad when you think about it. You know, you're in Italy, living, living the your best life, and and people around you experiencing all these amazing things in, um, you know, Italian culture, food and drink and tours, and I was just so wrapped up in this illness that, yeah, it was. It, I just look back now and go, what a shame. But Thankfully, positively, I've been able to go back to Italy as um, as someone in recovery and have been able to enjoy it a lot more. But so I suppose my recovery journey from an eight-year-old to now has been very up and down. After that trip, um, I went straight back to see my psychologist and have been seeing her and him. I've got two <laughs> um, since then. So that's like a good almost nine, 10 years, um, um, as, as well as sort of seeing a dietitian quite regularly as well. Um, I'm, I'm married now. Um, my husband is incredibly supportive. I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got someone that really gets what I what I've been through and what I still deal with, because even though I'm at a place that I feel I'm physically feel great, I'm mentally in probably the strongest place I've ever been. It's still something I'm really aware of. And I, I definitely know, I definitely know my triggers and I know that when life can get tough and I can, I can tell you what the last 12, 12 months, as you can all attest, you have been really tough. Um, I know what to do when I feel like life's getting out of control. I know to talk to my husband. I know to give my sister a call or to set up a Zoom appointment with my, my psychologist or or chat with my, my colleagues at the Butterfly Foundation, whatever it may be, to kind of work through those feelings. Um, but yeah, having an eating disorder, for me, it's been, it's been quite a lifelong journey and it's something that I'm still kind of um, working with now in, in much more of a positive space. So it's something that I talk about a lot I'm um, a sessional presenter at the Butterfly Foundation, so I go around to schools and educate young um, young kids from the ages of prep to sort of grade grade six, year seven on on uh, body image and self esteem. And I've also written a book about my journey for kids, so it's like a, a kids picture book from the perspective of someone suffering. So I'm sort of now putting my journey um, and my current journey really into, I suppose, uh, I suppose a helpful kind of way to sort of reach out to those that are maybe sort of feeling similar or go th going through something similar and, and sort of show and showing people that you can come out the other end. And it's, it's interesting, I think, through all the crappy times that I've been through and my family have been through with this illness, it has made me the strong person that I am today. And I'm really grateful that I have come out the other end and I'm able to kind of share my story with with amazing people like you because um, it is possible. And, and I know it, at the times it can feel like you're in the, the grips of the worst storm possible and there's no way out. But there there really is. And I'm just so grateful that there's amazing support groups like Body Matters and these this, these sort of forums that can just get that conversation started, I think, is, is the key. And 
it's interesting. I think as as someone, you know, in their 30s now and like I've got lots of friends around me having kids and, you know, I'd love to one day be a mum at some point too. And I sort of think what is it that I would like to pass on to, to my kids about body image and self-esteem? And I think for me it's I just like I can't wait to have kids, but I also just can't wait to sort of share with them that, you're awesome no matter what you look like or or how you feel. At the end of the day, we are all put on this this planet for um, the sole purpose of being you. And, um, you know, body image and self-esteem, it's something that is super fluid and changes from day to day. But being super vocal and able to talk about it is is so pivotal. So that's something I'd love to to pass on to, to anyone, to whether it be my kids or just people I meet, that um, talking about the struggles is actually really, really important. And it's okay to like not be okay. Um, so yeah, I think I kind of I've kind of summed up my journey in a very weird um, roundabout kind of way, but um, I hope that um, it's sort of given some of you some hope or some, um, a bit of a, I suppose, perspective that the, these things, you can get through them. Um, everyone's journey is so individual and unique and the way I went through it is will be completely different to how someone else did. Um, but you know, the fact that we can all kind of get here and be in this one space and talk about it is so great. It's so, so great. We hope that you enjoyed this episode with Maddie Tyres. She's always so well-spoken and knows how to really dive in and be really open about her recovery journey, which I believe is so important for others to hear. Often individuals are really, really scared to talk about how they're feeling. And we hope that this helps others, especially now that we are in lockdown and many other states are, that it just brings that awareness that speaking out and being not okay is okay. It is okay to bring it up with others, but make sure you do feel comfortable speaking about it to them as well. But please know that there is a number of different support systems available, including our therapists, friends, family, life health providers. Please reach out if needed. And we hope that you are well and safe during this time. And if you have loved this episode and podcast, please be sure to leave a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. So stay safe and we'll be back in two weeks time.